Welcome to the Business Addicts Podcast, where the stakes are high, talk is cheap, and results are on the other side of commitment. Hosted by a former addict, myself. And I'm his wife, Jamie. We uncover addicts' mindsets, showing that the talents you've created in your struggle will be the superpowers you leverage to heal your deepest wounds. Listen to former addicts share stories of how they've flipped the switch, including insights into how much we can believe in ourselves. For those of you affected by addiction, we support your desire to help the addict in your life by raising the stakes and creating emotional barriers. Hello, and welcome back to the Business Addicts Podcast. Today, we have our favorite guest back again, Mark King, who has done a lot of coaching with both Jamie and I. We have three of us here today. Jamie's here as well. And today we're going to talk about external validation. Seems to be a plague that's overtaking our nation. Let's address it and see what we can find to dig into. All right, Mark, what do you think about this subject? Well, this is a, you know, this is a pretty complicated topic. And, you know, as you identified, um, it's, uh, it's prevalent in our society today. And so how I define external validation is when somebody is attempting to live life outside in. So the thought process is, um, let's say you have a young mother and uh, she thinks, or a, a soon-to-be mother, she thinks that if she has the right house, the right car, the right career, kids, friends, husband, that then she is okay, okay? And it doesn't work that way, you know? Uh, life is lived inside out. And the problem with external validation is, what happens if one of those things isn't true? What happens if one of those things gets taken away? If you wrap up your identity in all of these things external, um, you can actually lose yourself in the process. In many ways, this is about uh, First and all, first of all, accepting yourself. You know, uh, the old uh, that old um, adage. You know, God doesn't create junk. He really doesn't. Every single person on the planet was created for a purpose. They've been given gifts and talents within which to achieve that purpose and work prepared in advance to do. And you know, God is pretty clear about this. He wants us to love Him, and He wants us to love others. And if we make that our focus then all of that other stuff will take its rightful place and, uh, and be taken care of by him. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He loves us more than we love ourselves. So all we have to do is uh, follow his plan for our life and rest will take care of itself. You won't have to worry about it. Yeah, I, I think the, the whole idea of uh, designing our life and somehow having a list that we you know, check each box. I've got the career. I've got the the friends. I've got the car. I've got the house. All of those things that that is today is just well. I've done it. You know, and and maybe it's kind of the way that we think about things in our twenties is like, well, we've got to get to this. We've got to achieve what our parents did. All of these different things, and so. Um, if I can do that, then I'll have it figured out. But we've uh, we've definitely been around a lot of people that have done that, and they're not any happier than. Yeah, does started. age really matter in that? 
uh, external validation looking for proof that we're okay from some of these outside sources? Does age matter? I think you see it at all ages. You know, I think it comes up at all ages. I think part of the problem we're dealing with today is there's such, uh, because of this thought process that you, you know, can live outside in, that if all these things are lined up, then I'm okay. What it leads to is obsession with self. And, you know, that's the problem. If you make it all about what you want and satisfying your needs and wants to the exclusion of everybody else, ultimately what that leads to is misery. You're miserable, right? Because you'll never be satisfied. And the minute uh, something, you know, uh, knocks down your house of cards under those conditions, I mean, it's it's almost devastating for some people and impossible for them to recover. Um, I think that's why this is so much about, first and foremost, uh, go find people to help and help them, right? And then all of a sudden, your problems or your perspective on life can change dramatically. Mark, what do you see the difference in, what do you see as the difference in people-pleasing and external validation mm. and how those two are operating in our world? Um, I think there's some difference in that I think uh, external validation affects a larger group of people, but people-pleasing, you know, from my perspective, affects, you know, primarily expressives. Uh, amiables are a little impacted by that as well, but man, people-pleasing, I think, is a disease in our world today. And the problem is, is that people are fickle, right? They're more concerned about themselves than they are you. And if you happen to not meet their approval or get a cross word from them in some way, shape, or form, some people are devastated by that. And, um, you know, you don't want to, you know, uh, again, the Bible is very clear about this too. You know, you don't want to be a people pleaser. It's not about pleasing people. It is about doing the right things for others and, and loving them. But in the end, it's about once you do that, you let go. You don't expect anything back. And you trust that because you did right by somebody else, God will take care of it. Yeah, isn't that interesting? The the whole concept of um, really giving, really putting our authentic self out there and then not expecting, like, whatever we give to someone else, whatever we uh, present to someone else, that we just trust that they will receive what they need from that and not make it about us, which is, uh, which would be when I would give something expecting a return. Um, selfishly, like, I'm going to be nice to you, and I want you to be nice to me. No, that's exactly right. That happens a lot. I mean, I hear that, especially when it comes to respect, right? Well, I'll, uh, I'll respect you when you respect me. Well, it doesn't work that way. You know, anything you do with strings attached, you know, doesn't count. First um, uh, Corinthians 13 is very clear about this. Anything we do, if it's not done in love, has zero value. Um, it doesn't mean anything. And so if I, uh, it's, I use the gift analogy a lot, you know, if I go out and buy Jamie a nice gift, right, something that I know she really likes and that Kevin would approve, uh, what really makes it a gift? 
Well, there can't be any strings attached. It comes with, you know, one thought, one meaning that I wanted to do this for the benefit of Jamie. If I wanted, if I did it with the expectation that she'd give me a gift or owe me a favor or like me more, then it's not a gift. At the least, it's a bribe. At the worst, it's extortion. And and that's the problem. And, you know, so many people today operate from the perspective of, well, if I do good by you, then you got to do good by me. And when they don't, then they say, well, I'm going to write that person off. Well, I'm not suggesting you be a masochist and go in over and over again uh, to get hit. But the truth of the matter is God expects us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And basically what he says, along with all of that, is don't worry about what happens. I got your back. You know, if you put good in on a consistent basis, I'll make sure you get good back, pressed down and overflowing. And I think the the problem is, is that uh, most people, you know, embrace this stuff from the standpoint of, you know, tit for tat, that every single investment they make, they have to get a return on and they have to get that return in the moment. Um, and it doesn't work that way. God expects us to to truly do right by other people, regardless of if it makes us uncomfortable or not. And uh, when we're willing to do good, because it is the right thing to do, and we let God have it, I'm telling you, he returns in magnificent ways. So um, I'll tell you a quick story. So this is years ago, uh, one of my first one of my first clients, actually, and a professional firm. And uh, I was working with the partners, okay? And um, um, it was very interesting because I didn't know why this was a problem for them. But come April, we take a look at the financials and they're not doing too well. Uh, actually, money's getting tight. And, you know, so, you know, I, I was young in my career, so I asked a dumb question. Uh, what's keeping us from collecting this money? And, uh, uh, you know, and they had their, their hemming and hawing and half rationalizing and, and stuff. And, uh, and it was getting to the point where the partners were not going to be able to collect a paycheck. And I said, guys, you know, the money, it's not like the money's not out there. The money's out there. You know, we don't have a sales problem. It's not like you're doing the work. We just, we just need to collect this money. And so um, I said, let's put a plan together. And the goal is we'll collect all this money in the next three months. And then everybody gets made whole. No problem. No hassle. Well, you know, we're working on other stuff inside the organization. And, you know, uh, April, um, sorry, May goes by. June goes by. July goes by. August 1st, we're having a partner meeting. Hey, how'd we do? Did we collect all that money? Not one single penny was collected. Okay. By the way, these guys are accountants. Okay. Not one single penny. So I said, guys, uh, you know, you know what this means? You know, you're all partners. You can't collect a paycheck. We need to continue to run the firm. And so uh, the managing, <laughs> managing partner at the time stands up and he says, I'm not going to take this crap anymore. You know, you can't do this to you, me. I, I'm the outside guy. Uh, you can't do this to us. I need my paycheck. My wife is expecting to. And, uh, you know, and 
Now, I'm an amiable expressive. I've told you this before. I do not like change all that much, and I do not like to confront all that much. So in the minute, in the middle of his tirade, I stand up and I go, you can't have a paycheck. You're not going to get a paycheck. You especially have to lead by example and uh, show the rest of the partners how to handle this, how to do the right thing. Well, he storms out of the partner meeting and uh, kind of leaves the rest of us holding the bag. So I thought after a little while he'd calm down and, you know, we'd go have a rational discussion together. Well, lo and behold, what does he decide to do? He quits. He quit. He was the managing partner for this firm. He quits. Okay. And now we're like, what? Why? Because of this? So lo and behold, the partners get back together. They pick a new managing partner. They move on without this individual. And they're part of a very successful firm today. Okay. So needless to say, I did not like to do that. I did not like to have that confrontation. So fast forward five years, and I'm uh, giving a speech uh, downtown Milwaukee. And it was right around Christmas. It was called The Gift. I have no idea what I spoke about that day. It's fallen out of my brain. But I think I hear, I think I remember people telling me it was pretty good. Anyway, uh, I'm about to get up. Uh, I get up and I'm walking to the stage to give my speech. And lo and behold, who works, who walks in the back door? This managing partner. Okay. And so like I'm uh, now I'm like, oh man, I'm in my head. I got to speak for the next 45 minutes. And this guy is going to be watching me the whole time. So after the speech, I walk down and I'm walking through the crowd and things are thinning out and he's waiting for me. You know, and I know I got to go talk to him. So I walk up to him and say, uh, hey, how you doing? And he goes, I'm good. How are you? Do you remember me? Well, how could I ever forget you? Yes, of course, I remember you. And he goes, um, you know what? After that happened, um, I hated your guts. Okay. Wow. Thank you. That's what expressive wants to hear, that you hate my guts. And he said, but I want you to know that I've been, I thought about it and I've been working through it. And what I realized is that you did for me what I couldn't do for myself. So I came here today to thank you for standing up for me. So it took five years to get vindication for that. It took five years for that good to go in and for that good to come out. And so if I had demanded immediately return on that good, I would have never have gotten the opportunity to participate in helping him become more of who he was capable of becoming. And I think that's cool. I think that's cool stuff. And I think that's why I had to wait. That's why I was put in the position uh, I was put in. I mean, I don't believe in chance or coincidence. I think there's purpose behind all things. And so if you find yourself in a very difficult situation where it's hard to do the right thing and take the high road, that God has great purpose for that. And he'll, he'll give you the strength uh, to do what's necessary, to do the, do the right thing. But you can't do it with any expectation 
for good coming back to you. Uh, it may come back in a very different way and at a very different time. Wow, that's a, that's a great story. I'm hearing quite a few things from what you're saying. Like if we were to design, instead of what's common, you know, I'm going to run my life off of external validation, if we're going to do the opposite, mm -hmm. what I'm hearing from you is first we're going to start by really appreciating who we are. Mm -hmm. We're going to accept that God appreciates who we are, that he gives us the resources to do what we need, that even if something is hard, that if we are, if, it's, if the situation we're in requires grace or whatever it requires, that he is going to give us those resources, that attitude, that spirit, whatever is required to get through that situation, that we can safely give that we can operate from love in all situations and we don't have to worry about um, a return on, on investment. We're just like, we can just trust that love is always coming to us, that he, he loves us in all those situations and we're just operating continually from faith and trust, trusting him, trusting the situation we're in, trusting even our own gifts. Yeah, I, you know, I'll just uh, refer back to a uh, Mark Twain quote. Uh, I think it's a great quote. He said, "There, the two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day that you find out why. And I would add one more, and the day we accept Christ, right? Those are, those are the three big days. But I think the, the issue is, is that, you know, God is telling us, I created you for a purpose. I've given you these gifts and talents. I know the path I want you to walk. And I think so much in our lives, uh, I know I was a comfort seeker growing up, is that we look for comfort. and But that's not the path that God usually has for us. And if you look at love, right? How, so how far did Jesus go for us, right? He sacrificed everything for us. So when he asks us, when God asks us to go love others, guess what? It's got to cost us something. You know, it's at the, at the least, it's going to be inconvenience. At the other end, it could be something much more. It's going to be a struggle. It's, there's going to be a price to pay to do it. And that's right. And that, because, you know, um, I talked to a lot of people today about, you know, we all have our own price uh, to pay to be successful, okay? What's the problem with that price? Is I can't tell you what that price is, you know? It's, it's individual to each person. Uh, but I can believe in you before you believe in yourself and help you walk that path to pay that price so that you can be successful. And that's the issue is to help people pay that price. Well, what's the price? Well, it's all the times that we love others sacrificially, you know? I mean, I, as I said, I, as an expressive, I don't like to confront. I can't tell you how many times in 30 years I've had to confront. Um, I don't really like change. I can't tell you how many times I've had to help organizations and individuals change. So in the end, it's not about us, right? It's really about us being available for Christ to use to the benefit of others. And as a natural result, right, he tells us, if you put good in, you'll get good out. And he promises us, pressed down and overflowing. But you, you have to accept that on faith, 
You know, you have to accept that uh, it'll happen because he said it would. And I think that's the problem most people have is that we want to exhibit so much control that, you know, we don't want to wait for that. We want to see a direct one-to-one immediate type of gratification. And it's not really how God works. <laughs> yeah, we, we heard recently that um, about sacrifice, that we we look at things as that we have to sacrifice. But actually, in in truth, it's not a sacrifice because we get more in return when we're operating from love. So, and I th- I've, I'm hearing that from you as well, and working with you for years now. Um, like the stories that you have, the the treasure that you have around um, the help that you've done, like it wouldn't be there if you hadn't invested in. Totally. I get what you're saying with the price. I totally agree. But like, it's so worth it. It's not like, it's actually not even a cost. It's like a, it's like a buy-in of, an investment, you know, and you get a big return. That's why, okay, so now you guys know, everybody knows that I'm biased for Jamie and Kevin, okay? And so I know the price the two of you are paying right now to be successful. And I know it's hard. I know it's challenging, okay? Kind of, sort of, it's supposed to be that way. But because you're paying the price the way you are, to the depth you are, I can't wait to see what God's got in store on the other side. It is going to be so cool. And that's what I'm, so if I ever seem um, not as sympathetic as you, as you'd like me to be, it's just because I'm so excited about what's happening. I can't wait to see what God's going to do on the other side. It's going to be very, very cool. Thank you that you don't, don't have sympathy for us. <laughs> I don't. So um, I want to touch on, we talked a lot about being a Christian and what it, you know, what it really means and what mm-hmm. the Bible really teaches us about being a Christian. Why are so many Christians today stuck in external validation, really? Or why are they expecting to return so often? Um, you know, I'm around a lot of Christians mm-hmm. uh, and I, I actually worked with uh, someone recently that was Muslim, and one thing he said to me is, um, like, the problem with a lot of you Christians is you don't do what you believe. And I had to kind of agree with him. Um, so what do, you, what do you think is causing us to be in the same box as, as anyone else, really? I believe that we as Christians are meant to have greater impact on the world than the world does on us. And I think a lot of Christians have been secularized by business concepts. Okay. It's, it kind of, it's kind of like that old saying, um, well, don't take it personally. It's just business. Okay. What a, what a lie that is. Okay. All you're asking for is permission to be a jerk in those situations. Right. And, you know, the the problem is, is that I think there are, you know, good Christians who haven't really embraced biblical principles to truly run their companies. And they look at the same things that, you know, most non-Christians look at. You know, what's the bottom line? How much money can I make? You know, uh, how much market share can I get? And those aren't bad things, but they are bad things. If it's all about you, 
You know, I mean, if you look at the financial viability of a company, um, uh, I think I've told this story before. I was asked to sub in for an MBA class, and um, uh, I started with the group. It was 25 students, and I just asked, you know, what's the purpose of business? Right? Simple question. 75% of them, the purpose of business is to make money. I said, no, that's not true. That's the lie. The purpose of business is to find people to help and do a great job helping them. And the way you do that, the value you provide comes back to you in terms of financial wherewithal. I think that's the piece that a lot of Christian business people miss. I I will tell you, um, I work for a, a, a Christian buddy of mine, actually. We're brothers in Christ. And he asked me to come into his company. And I did. He was one of the hardest leaders I've ever had to work with. He was, he was downright abusive of his people. And he, he, he believed, uh, because of business, that behavior was justified. And I will tell you, I did everything in my power to try to, try to reach him. I never did. And he's a brother in Christ, you know? And, and I really, I, I, that is one of the saddest things I've ever been a part of is that he thought that his way of leading and, um, you know, he was a high driver, uh, but with no, uh, with no governor on. And he thought just slashing and burning, uh, his way was the, his way was the highway and the right way. And I tried to convince him, you know. That no 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 this is about how do you how do you focus on serving others first how do you believe in others before they believe in themselves I mean if you're going to have somebody on your team then you have to believe in them before they believe in themselves I tell leaders all the time if you've if you've lost the ability to believe in this person then it's time to help them exit it's time to help them find where they should go but as long as they're here then you must believe in them before they believe in themselves. And I see so many Christian leaders that are unable to do that. Uh, they, they, you know, and I guess, and I'll just say this, the Bible's very clear about this, judge not lest ye be judged. And they'll judge somebody. They'll say, this is a good person or this is a bad person. You never do that to people. You can hold them accountable to the consequences of their actions, uh, good behavior, good consequences. Bad behavior, bad consequences. But you never, ever judge somebody as bad. And I think uh, because people do that, you know, they violate what it truly means to be a leader in somebody else's life. Mark, when you talk about that, I think about addicts, which is really what we're on a mission to kind of help here and provide hope to. And if anyone is being judged, I mean, even potentially people listening to this podcast, potentially people wanting to get help, and they could be being judged. What what would you tell someone that would like to get help but knows that they are potentially being judged uh, when you think about addiction and somebody that might be wanting to overcome addiction? What I would say from my experience is that um, – being judged is, if not the single, one of the most single uh, fears that people have, to be found out, right? Uh, addiction is, in many cases, about guilt and shame. Uh, 
And so I think a lot of people uh, put facades on at work because they don't want, they don't think that people would really accept them if they knew who they really were. And when we're able as good leaders to look underneath that and to show people that we see the real them, but we believe in them before they believe in themselves, it's one of the most freeing things that can ever happen in a person's life. And, and, and that's why this is so important for business because, you know, we have these people that uh, are parts of our organization. You know, we invest in them significantly. It's hard to hire. Uh, we pay people uh, a good income. And, and then a lot of times um, that's where their growth stops. That's the problem. Every single person that joins an organization has to be developed. And the only way we get a chance to tap their true potential is if we make it safe for them to be vulnerable. And that safety comes through not judging them, right? Uh, and then at the same time, believing in them before they believe in themselves. And when somebody knows that you see the real them, but you're still accepting of them, then it gives them the space to be vulnerable and to try to risk tapping their potential to become a better employee. And, um, you know, the, the problem I found, I've, I've seen a lot of people, try, this is a, another case of externals, is they'll try to build an external environment that they perceive as safe. So like, you know, a lot of extra benefits, some fun things in the office, et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing they don't do is separate their belief in a person from that person's behavior. And that's a mistake that a lot of leaders make is they, they hire somebody, right? And on the surface, looks pretty good. Experience, background, everything else kind of matches up. Um, so, I mean, we could go all day about this, but you know, I'm a big believer you hire for three things, character, chemistry, competence. Character is, can you be in it to serve other people first, to focus on helping other people first? Chemistry is, do you get the company and can the company get you? And last, competence, can you actually do the job? And so what happens is somebody will come on new to the organization and now both sides, the new employer, employee and the employer, start to look for evidence to support their, uh, that their decision was a good one, okay? And all of a sudden, both sides start to see things that they don't really like or don't really understand, or they have unspoken expectations that are now going unmet, Okay. And they're trying to figure out whether or not they should have worked together. And it's because in many ways, on the leader side, the leader is looking at this person's behavior and they're deciding whether or not they're worth investing, believing in, right? They're a good person or they're a bad person. Well, <clears throat> here's the issue. As long as that person is on your team, we're 51% responsible. You have an obligation to believe in them before they believe in themselves. So you can't make that decision. The second thing is, it's so because of the purpose that God puts in all this, um, it's not mere chance or coincidence where, somebody's, where somebody lands. You're meant to be here. 
And that's how I, how I think employers and employees, and I've taught that don't go looking for a job. If I'm talking to an employee, don't go looking for a job. Go and look for where you belong. And you need to be just as uh, uh, critical of the place you're about to work for as they are about you. And I do the same thing with employers. Ask the question, are you supposed to work with this person? If both sides agree that they're supposed to join you and we're supposed to work together, then treat this like a marriage. And what does that mean? That we make all of the decision-making before we decide to come together. And once we decide to come together, then everything that happens with that uh, after that supports the decision we made, okay? We don't look for evidence to, to try to suggest or imply that we made the wrong decision. No, we made the right decision. How does this help us support that? And then both parties can go along and focus on helping each other be successful. But we've got so many people going into these things wondering if they made a good decision, and then all of a sudden they go down the path of starting to protect themselves. And that's why these, you know, that's why things don't start well, and that's why they end even worse. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, it does. And I, I think that even I picked out, like, they're trying to justify their decision, right? Uh, well, justification is, is very connected to judgment. We want to yes. justify mm -hmm. the way that we're looking at things, make ourselves be okay, and then uh, we use judgment to help us align ourselves with what the you know the destination that we think we're headed for and and disalign from the people that we're judging but in truth what it's doing is judgment is just coming right back at us right and connecting all these things that are holding us back really because it judgment i mean yes it does hurt other people but it's really hurting us so much more um you know that justification that judgment is hurting us so much more so if I if we go back to Jamie's question, my answer would be to the addicts. Um, if people judge you, um, you know that's a really good thing because what happens is you now know the people that you don't need to be around um, because they're actually not authentic. They're not vulnerable, and the people that you are going to find that that are there in your corner um, are going to not judge you. So then you know. It's like a good feedback system. So if you're going out there and and you're going to say, okay, I'm I'm going to admit that I was an addict. Here's here's the way it is. Here's what happened in my life. You know, I had this fear, right? Like I, I was like, a podcast about addiction. I don't want to go there. But uh, God made it very clear over a series of months. You must go there. This is the only That's chance cool. you. This is the only option you have. This is what you're meant to do. And I'm so thankful for that because I wouldn't be this far in my journey if it wasn't for that. And all the people that I meet through this podcast uh, and even the people that I know already that are supporting us like Mark are here because they do believe and they don't judge me for the fact that I was addicted. And that is making it so that right off the bat, our relationships are quality. They are deeper. We can talk about whatever we need to talk about to accomplish, you know, what what is, what is in our, our future and what is currently, uh, 
in the present. So we don't have any restrictions. Whereas versus if we're going to go and um, have a conversation with a bunch of people that would judge me, then we're not going to get anywhere. We're really just spinning our wheels around concepts that aren't real, like mm-hmm. the lies and deceptions that, that we were just talking about um, that the Christian community has about business. And at that point, it's unproductive. And I like to be productive, so <laughs> I'm really happy <laughs> with, uh, with people that, you know, and, and, and of course I pray for them. Of course mm-hmm. I want to, uh, especially the ones that I really uh, know that do judge, I want to see them operate without judgment so I wouldn't just leave them alone and walk away and okay fine and I, I never want to see you again but um, I would want to want to really love them in that but at the same time like we got to hang around the people that aren't going to judge us well and and I, I'm glad you bring that up because um, you know it kind of goes back to the people pleasing uh, topic um, I have kind of a saying I developed uh, that uh, that I tell people who struggle with that. Um, and I say, uh, it goes like this, uh, do not give undue power or influence to those who cannot or will not have your best interest at art. And it's like uh, putting on a little bit of Teflon. Um, if somebody doesn't have your best interest at heart, you kind of let it hit you and then fall off, you know? But if you meet someone who isn't judgmental and believes in the purpose God has given you and the dreams he's put before you, yeah, then you want to hang around those people. Then you want to take good input from those people. Um, but first and foremost, you have to know who you can you know, really trust with that level of vulnerability. Because I have met so many dream stealers in my life. You know, anytime anybody thinks about Climbing out of the bucket, right? Remember the old analogy with the crab, crab bucket? And they want to pull them back in, you know. And, and uh, to self-disclose, um, my parents were very fearful people. And uh, they, were, they were dream stealers not because um, they were trying to be vindictive, but they thought that they, they internalized me not taking risks as uh, protecting me from pain. But because of their perspective, um, it, it actually, you know, um, kept me from pursuing things faster than I would have otherwise. And I finally broke free when I realized it, they weren't um, afraid for me. They just didn't want to go through the pain for themselves that I might cause. And uh, once I realized that, it was time to move on. Yeah, and I think this is a good thing to note for people. Like, if you want to go down this road of truly operating from love, there are some people that won't be there with you. Mm -hmm. And if you, um, and that's the same for Christ. Like, uh, we read of that several times. Like, they, they went this far, and suddenly... They got to this point where he asked them something or gave them some new knowledge out of love, spoke the truth, and they didn't go any further with him. And um, and I'm not saying that we're, we're special, but what I'm saying is that if we're going to be like him, we have to be willing to let go of the relationships that aren't 
uh, operating on, in love. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not like we're letting go of any relationship permanently. Um, we're still uh, operating. We're still praying for people. I'm sure he did that too. And, and we're believing in them because if they're not operating in love, then um, when we do continue that relationship, then we're, we're not helping them. Um, but as the relationship would change a little bit, then they get that opportunity to come back and say, you know what, I want to, I want to choose to be, have a relationship with you out of love, you know, and that's not necessarily, they wouldn't always use those words, but you know, that's, that's the opportunity we're giving them. And along the way, we're going to find more and more people that want to operate from love. Um, but it may never be the number that we would have when we're operating from fear. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. say I, I know 500 people and uh, 50 of them operate from love. That I would be very lucky if it was oh. 10%, right? <laughs> so, but more likely might be five, right? <laughs> right. Um, so, but I can have a deeper life with five people that are operating authentically and out of love than 500 that aren't. It's just... You just want to choose mm-hmm. whatever God gives you, however many that He's giving you to to um, to walk through life with, to journey uh, alongside. And um, the truth is, is that more the more that we learn how to give to others and love them, the more we're going to find people that are like, "Oh, I want to go with you. I want to I want to journey with you." So right. it's always worth the um, you know the long term investment, but. It's not without pain. It's a good disclosure that, hey, this isn't like nice and simple, and you get to bring no. everyone with you and and have no no consequences. Well, and and I'll just say this that um, um, it's not like we operate with no fear. Okay, we're just let's be honest. We're just as fearful as the next guy. It's just that we can't use our fear to drive our behavior. That's what Christ is telling us to do. I mean, the, you know, the phrase or turn on a phrase, do not be afraid, is in the Bible 365 times. Well, that's one for every day. So that's how often God wants to remind us to not be afraid, right? To not give in to that fear. Be anxious yep. uh, for nothing. And so, yeah, this is not the absence of fear by any stretch of the imagination. But it's choosing to do the right thing for others, to love others, regardless of that discomfort or that pain or that fear. That's the real world. Yeah. Yeah. The more we, the more we address the lies, or become aware of how we've been deceived, the more God um, shows us that we have more to work on. Mm-hmm. So there's new fears. There's deeper yeah. fears. Yeah. Maybe, you know, it's yeah. not like suddenly we get a hall pass and we can just walk free. No, it just means that we are more aware of what the next step is. Um, and as long as we're in this life, we're going to find things that we can work on and that he'll give us to, to go deeper. But, um, you're right. Like it's not, yes, that that's also a good disclaimer. (laughs) Uh, There's, but that's the good thing. It's like, if we, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but if we, just arrived at some utopia where there was no struggle, then I, I think right. we're messed up if we think that, well, sorry, 
If you want Utopia, go, ahead, go for it. I don't. I don't want to call you. Mess it's up. not out there. That's but like me. for me, I couldn't handle that if there was, if it was, if I did just arrive in this perfect place. I think we do need the struggle. We do need um, the the resistance mm-hmm. to keep Absolutely. growing, and we need the information as to what is in our way, and um, all of these things are part of the information. So. Well, and, and uh, you know, one thing uh, Jamie talked about with external validation, you know, we talk about the motivator. So I'll speak to, the, speak to this real quick. So years ago, there used to be five key motivators, okay? I'm throwing up four because the fifth one is, was money, okay? But the first is, was recognition for a job well done, challenging work, pers- purposeful work, peace and satisfaction, and then money. And the, the rule was, if you didn't give the first four, then people would always land on money, that they need more money. Well, uh, Dan Pink has done a lot of work in the world of motivation, and um, and he talked about it a little bit. And there's another guy that also worked on this. Um, I took something from him. But the, the four that they came up with was, uh, first was identity, right? And identity is, what's my purpose? What's my mission? And then voice. How do I use my gifts and talents to fulfill that mission? Sound familiar, right? This is all kind of hearkening back, right back to the Bible. And then the third thing was uh, belonging. Uh, am I uh, a member of a team of people that care about me? And then last, last but not least is mastery. Um, and so can I get better at my job? And so the thing is, you know, if we don't provide these things for our people, that's when I think they look for external validation. But if they know they have a mission and they're able to use their gifts and talents in that mission, they belong to a group of people that care about them as they are, and they have an opportunity to master their profession or skill set, then I think people live inside out. And that's the real benefit we can help them with as business leaders, business owners, is that we can help people um, really pay their price to be successful and become the kind of human being they were created to become. Yeah, and that's our privilege as as leaders too. Like if we are just vulnerable ourselves, like you like you said earlier, create the environment where it's safe for other people to be authentic and vulnerable. Then that becomes a new currency instead of fear. Like it's so attractive. Like um, I think it's. It's it's a it's something that a lot of people are trying out nowadays, and um, every time it's tried, it works. Like every time I'm authentic, every time I'm vulnerable, um, you like people respond to that. I don't know what it is, really but do. they yeah. they like that. They do because it, it helps us not. Li- and there's so much uh, living the facades that people have today. And it, there's no benefit to it. It doesn't work, you know. So. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for coming along and responding to this request to talk about external validation. And I think we've touched on several subjects, but the whole concept of um, how we're believing a lie, you know, uh, when we're we're operating out of out of fears. Um, So and and we can be deceived sometimes. So thank you again, Mark, for for your time and for having this discussion with us. Good to be with you, Kevin. Let's pay the price.
Yes, absolutely. Let's go be our best. Thank you for tuning in. And to stay in touch, email us at info at businessaddictspodcast.com.